Brian Geisel, Kevin Blackstone, Sarah Spain, Mina Kimes. Now that is a panel. Here's a question. Who did basketball worse in this sequence? Northwestern or Georgetown? I mean, just when you think it's done, it's not done. It keeps getting worse. Let's go. What happened to your team, Kevin? Hey, they won in the second half. I didn't see you bring that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Poor Patrick. Sacramento Kings 153, Brooklyn Nets 121. I say again, Ooh. 153. What? Mm. Yeah, yeah, bring back the sound effects. Yes. After the loss, Kevin Durant did an interview with Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report and said, Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. Not disrespect, but what are you expecting <laughs> from that group? <laughs> he said that. Durant also said about the trade request, uh, it was just about ball. But if you could mic him up now, you'd hear him talk during the game. People would be, yes, I'm happy. He, you know, he, he's saying he's happy. Every time he gets a step on this bleeping court, he's happy. Frank Isola, nobody in Brooklyn could be happy with last night's result. Your takeaway? <laughs> Well, that last part that he said is absolutely true. Kevin Durant's played very well. He's definitely engaged. You talk about leadership. He passes the ball. He's defending. I think he wants to go out there. I think the point of that article was for Kevin Durant to tell people, just because we're losing and struggling, I'm in a great place. I'm happy. I've accomplished a lot. But at the same time, by calling out the role players like you did, that's completely unfair, number one. By the way, Jared Allen could have been one of those role players, but you, he had to be traded for your guy James Harden, who then was traded for Ben Simmons. But the other part was there was a line in the story about holding the front office accountable and the coaching staff. That's all well and good. What about the name of the point guard that's not here? We talk so much about Steve Nash, the point guard. How about Kyrie Irving, the point guard? When is Kevin Durant, after four years, instead of calling out Edmund Sumner and Nick Claxton, how about calling out Kyrie Irving, who, by the way, never plays. He's missed more games than he's played in. Kevin Blackstone. Well, I agree with that, Frank, but I think by not calling out his name, we all know exactly who he's talking about. And I thought what was funny about what Kevin Durant said was the fact that he said, you know what, this kind of completes my career. I've been, I've done everything. I've been to the finals. I've won all these awards. I score the basketball. I played with all these guys. And now I'm the lead dog. I'm like, it's like, it's like Kevin Durant and the Pips. No disrespect to the Pips. But that's basically what he's got. <laughs> and calling out the role players, I mean, I think that's fair. They are role players. We we absolutely know that. Hey, don't take this away from him. They've lost two in a row, but before that, they had won four of five. So to your point, Frank, he's still, he's still showing up. He's still balling. He's a professional. Sarah, did you hear Durant calling out his teammates in that interview? Did you, did you hear something else? No, I heard him being honest in a way that we demand of athletes and then criticize when we get it. Every mm, single one okay. of us has said, we expect this team to win because Kevin Durant is out there. Regardless of bad defense, regardless of whether Kyrie's there, we always say as long as Kevin Durant is there, you can't count out the Nets. And then when he says it, we're all like, oh, that's really unfair of you. We've all been saying it. We all have eyes. We can see it. That's what's happening right now. I think he's been incredibly consistent about just wanting to play basketball, wanting to play basketball at a high level. And I like what he said about holding coaches, players, everybody accountable for practices that he didn't think were tough enough. He doesn't want to go out there and have the rest of the league be able to 
rightly disrespect his team for being defensive frauds or otherwise, and he wants to put in the work to change that. Not everyone around him wants that, which brings us to Kyrie. I have been probably more critical than almost anyone about all of Kyrie's decision-making, but I also understand that based on what we know from him, he is not going to be bullied into submission. He is not going to be disrespected as a grown man by being publicly shamed by a teammate like Kevin Durant. So when Kevin Durant says, you don't know what we're talking about behind the scenes, we share and engage on ideas, and then I don't need everyone to pat me on the back publicly and say I'm a great leader by calling him out. I don't think that makes their situation any better if he had. So I think he's doing his best with an untenable situation in Kyrie, and the rest of the time he's showing up and playing super hard. I've got issues with a lot of what KD has done in the past. I think everything in this interview was honest and I really liked hearing from him. And Mina Khan. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anyone in that building, if I had to guess, who has a problem with what he said, not just because it's all accurate, but because, as Sarah said, it was strategic of him for not to, to not call out Kyrie. But it does raise a question because, uh, you know, in addition to saying basically essentially this team isn't good enough, uh, he also said that's why he requested a trade in so many words, which leads me to wonder, well, do you think the team is good enough now? Do you think the team is good enough when Kyrie returns? Remember, he requested that trade after it was clear Kyrie was coming back. I don't think we know the answer to that question, which means I don't think the trade drama has gone away. Well, allowing 153 to Sacramento might be a hint. They're not, they're not operating as well as they can. Frank, last. Yeah, he also left out another role player who's the backup center on the team. That would be Ben Simmons, who they had to acquire because James Harden didn't want to be there anymore, who last year was going through the motions and Kyrie was on, was on vaccination status. Yet that's somehow Steve Nash's fault that he wasn't telling him to close out hard enough in practice. Frank, Come Frank, on, it's a little Frank. unfair. Is it's it a little Katie's unfair. fault? You sound personally insulted by this. No, it's, what, no, my point is it's not his. No, Kevin Durant has been brilliant. Putting it now somehow on Steve Nash because the practices weren't hard enough. Who was in practice? You traded for Ben Simmons, who never played. Kyrie Irving, with his vaccination status, wasn't playing in home games. You just mentioned I, the role I players. I love your passion for this. And, of course, you covered this team for the <laughs> Yes Network. Last thing on Irving. All right, five-game suspension at least. Well, it's been more than five now. Uh, Portland is the rest of this road trip. And then next, they're home in Memphis this weekend. Is Kyrie going to be playing that game? I, I have no idea. You would have to think that Sunday would be the day. If he's not playing, then there's a huge question mark. Then they go Philly on the road, Toronto. This schedule is going to get really tough for the Brooklyn Nets. They clearly need him. And when he, gets, get and when he plays offensively, they need him. I just and, said they let up really 153 rough. to Sacramento. <laughs> if you're letting up 153, everything is tough. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate that. We'll move on. Top five in college football. Just as you thought it might be, just as you knew it would be. No changes. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee. Mina Kimes, anything to see here? Well, you know, yeah, as you said, the top four is about as expected. Obviously sets up the Ohio State-Michigan game to be a real determinant of how, what things look like going forward. But there is one thing that made me raise, I, I wouldn't say raise an eyebrow, but maybe like a little arch of the eyebrow, which is LSU with two losses at six over USC. Because if you read the tea leaves, and that's what this is about with these rankings, what that tells me is if LSU actually beats Georgia in a couple of weeks, they got a path to the playoffs. Yes, a two-win team has never made it, but the committee has yeah. never left out an SEC champion. Mm -hmm. And then that sets up an even more potentially controversial outcome, which is if TCU somehow loses, does that open the door for Tennessee? And if you thought people thought they were biased towards the SEC before then, woof. Mina Kimes. You're looking at three teams, it would be out of control. <laughs> Your takeaway. 
You mean Sarah Spain because you just heard from me? Oh, Connors? yes. Thank oh, you. Thank you for pointing that out. Take points away um, from him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's most interesting to me, uh, because obviously what Mina says about the future is very valid, but in this particular moment, I think people who were dogging the frogs for being a one-trick pony saw that this team could have their very vaunted <laughs> offense <laughs> shut down, and they could still get a win. They held the Longhorns to fewer than 200 yards of offense. The Longhorns had had 36-plus points in the, their last games, and they come in and they don't even get into the end zone. So if you're looking at TCU and thinking, as soon as you come up against a defense that shuts down your offense, you're not showing up anymore, they put all those doubters to shame, and I think that actually is going to pay off dividends going Maybe. forward. Well, I'll just go back to something that Mina was alluding to, talking about LSU. If you look at strength of schedule, half of the top ten in strength of schedule are from the SEC. Tennessee is number two on that list. Alabama's actually number one. So I would just say that the only thing that stands out to me still is that Tennessee is out of the, fi- of, out of the final four right now. Obviously, they can play themselves back in, but I think that they are a better one-loss team than TCU is undefeated. And Frank Isola. All right, I'm usually the one who gets accused of regional bias here, so I'm going to stick up for USC, which still has the best uniforms in college Mm -hmm. football. If they could run the table and win the Pac-12, because there's a very good chance TCU could lose, and obviously Ohio State, Michigan, one of them is going to lose. USC has, as they love to say, a path to get into the Final Four here. So USC, for me, is the team right now on the outside looking in that has a great chance of making it, especially after Oregon blew it last weekend. What a terrible loss that was. One more story here. Champions Classic. Let's talk college basketball. Kansas 69, Duke 64, with Bill Self suspended for the first uh, four games of the season. The question was, could the Jayhawks hold firm down the stretch of tight games? Exhibit A was last night. Also questions, of course, about Duke without Krzyzewski. That's the first loss of the Shire era. For Kansas, Jalen Wilson, 25-11-5. And in the other game, Michigan State over Kentucky, double overtime. Some huge individual performances and loss for Wallace and Shibwe. Bounce back for Sparty. KB, any takeaway from the Champions Classic? Yeah, just take this away. You never, ever doubt Tom Izzo. He should, his team should always be grandfathered into the top 25. Come on. How are they not in it? That was a huge win for them. They've always got talent. They always play hard, and they always schedule hard. And the only thing I'll say about the Kansas-Duke game, Norm Roberts can coach. I've known him since, gosh, he was at Oral Roberts as an assistant to Bill Self. He's been a longtime assistant to Self, and for him to step in and get that win is not surprising. All right, Guy Sola? And Norm Roberts is a great man, former St. John's coach. I wish they had played in December as opposed to November. Great win for Michigan State. But here's the thing about John Shire. He's taking over for a legend number one. Paulo Bancaro, who we all knew wasn't going to stick around, isn't on the team. You bring in all these freshmen. Who has more pressure on him than John Shire? Because you're supposed to win with these guys. Who knows if Duke is any good? They didn't look great last night. Kimes? Hmm. Uh, for me, it's Michigan State. You know, you said it was a bounce back, but they didn't bounce back for much because you remember they hung tough with Gonzaga, led for much of that second half, and this only affirms what we saw there, which is they are for real, which wasn't a given coming into the season, having lost three of their top scorers, but they stuck with the players they had. Clearly, they're playing great team basketball right now. First game in two years with multiple 20-point scores. This is a very good Michigan State team. And Sarah Spain. 
I hate to build on what everyone else is saying and repeat on the Michigan State thing, but I think what's most interesting about them is watching Izzo go against the current of what the college basketball rest of the teams are doing right now, and we won't find the payoff until later. Is this tough schedule early on going to affect their regular season record in terms of where they're ranked for the tournament? Is it going to make them better in the tournament because they've taken on these tough and adverse challenges at the beginning and they're a better team later on? He's making a bet on his younger guys improving and getting better, and we won't find out until later whether he should have been a lot more busy in the transfer portal, but he's doing the opposite of what most other places are doing, and so far it's working. I hadn't considered that. We've been horn right here. One more, one more thing as we go to break. Somebody say something to Louisville. They are 0-3. They've lost all three games by one point on the last play at home. Last night, a buzzer beater too late, so they got called back. They lost to App State. Game before, got buzzer beatered by Wright State. Game before that, lost to Bellarmine on the run the clock out us. Somebody tell Louisville it's not that bad. Is it and they lost is to DJ Wagner. Oh, it is that bad. I'm not telling okay, us. fine. It's pretty so, that so bad. It's not your fault. Yeah. Not your, it is your fault. It is your fault. It is your fault. <laughs> it is bad. All right. First of all, Around the Horn is presented by Crown Royal. Live generously, and life will treat you royally. Play drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. The NFL Players Association has called for an immediate replacement and ban of all turf playing surfaces, citing a higher risk of injuries. This has been something players have been calling out for years and, and weeks, and this week, Aaron Rodgers. There is data compiled by the NFL and NFLPA that suggests otherwise. There is no difference between non-contact lower injuries, or injuries to lower extremities, I should say, between turf and grass. Mina Kimes, where do you come down on this? You know, I tend to side with the players, even though, as you said, there's conflicting information about the rate of injuries, um, simply because there's not a financial impetus for the PA 
to make this argument. They're doing it because the players believe it is unsafe, whereas on the other side, of course, with the teams, it is costly to change these surfaces. It does seem like a cost that's reasonable to bear if it's what the players want, so I think they should do Derek's it. Derek I understand that, and that's where my temptation would be as well, Mina, but I think once you have the science telling you that there isn't that definitive difference, what you're dealing with is players who are probably reacting to anecdotal evidence, which is a certain player that they or their teammates know that moved them on the topic, and probably Aaron Rodgers doing his own research. I spoke to a former high-level player who now is with the league, and he spoke to both sides and said until the science is more definitive, this is something that there's no reason for the NFL itself to slow play either when they've made other definitive changes for player safety. It's just that the numbers don't bear out right now for that kind of expense and that kind of JB, if the players want all grass, should there be all grass? Yes, there should be all grass. However, to Sarah's point, you got to make sure you take care of it. There was all grass at FedEx Field, yeah. still at FedEx Field. And you lost Alex Smith, you lost RG3, Soldier you Field. lost Kyle over Allen, you lost, you lost okay. Chris Clemens, you lost Dobbins. Um, so you got to take Frank care Isola. of the field that you have. Yeah, when I heard Aaron Rodgers promoting grass, the first thing I thought of was... Watch yourself, Frank. Watch yourself. I agree. good line. Watch yourself. I agree with Mina on this one because, first of all, the game is going to be a bit slower, which wouldn't be the worst thing. And if you have grass in cold-weather cities like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, there's no reason why everyone can't have it. I'm sorry. Buy or sell, too. Ron Rivera indicating he's still torn between starting Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz. Sarah Spain, you buy or sell that? I'm selling that there is a controversy here. The numbers are better with Heineke. The wins are better with Heineke. His teammates are coming out to speak on his behalf. You got enough going on in D.C. and with that team that you don't need to create any controversy here when the answer is quite clear. I don't know what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. Ron Rivera gets to the podium and he's talking about this. And one of the first things he says is one of the things you got to look at is momentum. Well, guess what you got now for the first time? Momentum. Yeah. All right, so no debate for you. Isola? You know, with all the controversy, controversy surrounding this team, you watch them play on Monday night. They look like a competent team that was well-coached with a quarterback that knows what he's doing. What Ron Rivera is saying publicly is a lot different than what he's doing behind the scenes. Come on, he's oh, not Oh, you think it. he's trying to, you know, throw a bone to Wentz, at least publicly. Mina Kimes, how about you? I'm actually selling the idea that Heineke is a significantly better quarterback than Wentz, but he's better enough, and they've been succeeding enough, to where if you were to actually make this quarterback change, it would go over terribly yeah. in the loss. Well, they just beat a team that was 8-0. Yeah. I mean, how often do you yeah. beat the only undefeated team in the league and then make a quarterback change after? No, I hear you. Yeah, you can't do it. Fire cell three. Pelicans 113. Grizzlies 102 last night. Here's Charles Barkley on John Morant. The next evolution for Ja is he got to learn to make the players around him better. Now, when you're a great player, you can get your shot anytime you want to. KB, buy or sell that? I got to sell that. I don't really know how you actually measure that. All I know is that Ja has gotten better and better every year. Now he's added the three-point shot to his game, which would seem to make uh, great uh, value for everybody else because it opens up the floor. Uh, What else is he supposed to do? You know, I, I think by be, making your teammates better, it's when you get double team, you pass out of the double team. I think Ja does that, and he defends. But I do think there's nothing wrong with telling a young player he needs to get better. By the way, Memphis was 20-5 and five last year in games that Ja didn't play in. Mm. Mina Kimes? Well, I mean, I, he definitely makes everyone around him better, so I don't get it. It's not just his passing, which perhaps, you know, isn't elite, but as KB said, the fact that when he's on the floor, the spacing is so incredible. Of course everybody's better because the game is a lot easier. Thanks, 
I think you're maybe looking at the statistics that tell you that when he has like 35 plus, the team isn't significantly better. Maybe he's reflecting back on teams like Jordan's Bulls, where he needed to learn how to or his own Sixers teams, right? That next, yeah, to take that next step. But I think if you talk to the reserves that have been playing with Jaron Jackson Jr. out, the kind of guys that maybe Kevin Durant would point to and say, "What do you expect?" They're all saying that he sets them up, knows their tendencies, and make, gets the best out of them. So I would. There was a play last night that I'm putting up for one of the plays of the year. Did you guys see it? He pretended to not no. guard the inbounder, timed it perfectly, jumped, stole Maybe. the pass midair, and started a break. I mean, that that's one of the great sneaky. plays of the season. Casual. Very sneaky. And the one thing I'm thinking while I'm seeing this is, if he could just have made his teammates better while he was doing it, that'd be great. Yeah, pass it at the end there. Yeah. Uh, Skip that open layup. Frank Isola, I wish, you know, Spain and Blackstone would have made you guys better today. Sarah Spain. I like, I like Kevin Blackstone showdown. Two minutes. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Around the Horn is presented by Crown Royal. Live generously and life will treat you royally. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Sarah Spain, Kevin Blackstone, good luck in showdown. Just thoughts on your team's start here so far in the first 15 plus minutes. We suck. We haven't forechecked. We haven't done anything <laughs> as of right now. What do you want to see differently? Forecheck. Sarah Gray, John Tortorella's game interview. I'm giving A-plus for accuracy, A-plus for honesty, A-plus for delivery, and A-plus for allowing his team a chance to come back by saying, right now, mm-hmm. we could get better. Maybe. And I'll give him some extra credit because that dude stays on brand, man. I love the way he, he <laughs> delivers his interviews. Like Sarah said, he answered everything. And how about the drama of taking off his glasses for a second, taking the headphones <laughs> off? Love torts. Mm-hmm. Perfect grade. No notes. Split the point. <laughs> Move on. Who did basketball worse in this sequence? I showed it to you before. We'll Let's check it out again. This is last night's Northwestern Georgetown game. Kevin Blackstone, I believe you were watching this live. Go ahead. Who did this worse? Who did this worse? You mean who did it better? Northwestern was down two at the half and came back to win by double digits. There will be no slander of a 3-0 and Chris Collins team right now in the Big Ten. Are you kidding me? They walked into that house. There are at least 2,000 people in that den, and still they came away with a W. KB, you avoided the question just like both teams avoided playing excellent basketball there. But at least Nicholson had a block and a pass there that was something to be respected. So Georgetown basketballed worse. Uh-huh. I think that's been the case for about, uh, what is it, 33 straight games? Ever, ever since they made it to the title game <laughs> in conference two years ago, it's been, a, it's been a tough one. All right, today's winner, Sarah Spain. 30 seconds Why, thank of you. FaceTime. 
I was so excited <laughs> to learn that Candace Parker will be returning to play again this season. The last time we saw the Chicago Sky and legendary Candace Parker, they were blowing a 10-point lead heading into the fourth quarter against the Sun, and they gave up an 0-18 run. It was so bad. It was so ugly. None of us wanted that to be Candace Parker's final game as a pro. She was the first team all at WNBA, still playing at a super high level. I'm glad she'll be coming back. Chicago Sky champions this upcoming Another, season. Okay, you're picking them again. Printed, All right. Early prediction. Let's go. Back in the championship. It's Blackstone, by the way, went out like Tortorella. Took off the glasses, said four check, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Yeah. You know, guys, I wear a monitor during the show and during the commercial break. I've noticed my blood spiked for a second because I missed a banned word from Mina Kimes. That's how I... So Woo. there you go. I'm getting it back for you, Mina. <laughs> Take off four points. We'll see you tomorrow. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.